teacher friend. Welcome to another episode of Simply Teach, a podcast for teachers and by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. I'm a former teacher turned classroom organization and management coach. My passion is to help teachers just like you organize, manage, just love their classrooms. Each episode is full of simple ways to engage your students, stay motivated, and keep up with best practices. Because y'all, I know teaching is hard, but I am so glad that you're here. Today, I have the great honor of sharing with you one of my friends and my former teaching partner, Catherine. Kat and I worked together for four years. Three years, we were on the same team, and then the last year we worked together, we actually got to partner together and teach the same kids. One thing that we didn't get around to talking about on the show because we ran out of time was working with partners. I wanted to ask Catherine about it because she was such a good partner for me, but here's what I will say. When Kat and I became partners, we met to begin working on plans or something for the new year, I don't really remember. Anyways, I don't know if it was just because this is her style or because she knew my personality, but she asked me what I was hoping to get out of the year and what I did and did not like partner style-wise, and I valued this so much. I'm telling you this because if you work with a partner, I think it is a really important step to sit down and talk about your expectations. I am sure there were times that I got on her nerves during our year working side by side, but I think those beginning conversations laid the groundwork for open communication. After we shared what we needed from each other, she prayed over our year. I realized that you may not be comfortable doing that. I clearly wasn't because like I said, she prayed over our year, not me, but still such an impactful way to start the year together. One thing I learned from my team our last year together is that the enemy comes to steal our joy in teaching. He knows our weak spots and works to get at them. Our team, mostly led by Kat, prayed together a few times a week, especially when one of us was having a particularly bad day. Catherine and I chat about her experience as a grad school student while teaching full-time. Kat was the Spanish side of our dual language pair, and she'll kind of talk about that in our episode, but today she's going to share some strategies to use with students who are not native English speakers. But here's the best part. Even if you don't have a single student in your class that's an ELL, these strategies are still usable for any of your students. In fact, as you will hear her talk about towards the end of our conversation, some of her GT students find these strategies to be helpful. You may want a pen and paper for this episode because Catherine is going to share a lot of great strategies, but if you're driving, running, nursing a baby, or doing whatever it is that you do while podcasting, I'll have all the info for you in the show notes as usual. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Hey, hey. I am super excited to talk to you today because you're my friend and I'm excited to chat with you, Um, but also because I think that you are just very, Cody's making noise now, (laughs) Um, I I think you're really knowledgeable and especially when it comes to working with bilingual kids and ESL kids and I want to have you on to talk about that aspect because um, I think in today's day and age, is that the right term, that pretty much every teacher is ESL certified or needs to be or is working with kids from um, different countries, different nationalities, different languages, all that kind of stuff. So uh, you're my friend because we taught together for what, four years on the same team? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Second grade. Uh Um, But tell us a little bit about your teaching experience up until now. Um. Okay, so let's see. I officially have been in the classroom as a certified teacher for five years. 
um, before that, so I'm going to rewind. This is how I got into teaching. I don't know if I've told you this, but, um, I was doing, I had just started college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, have I told you this? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I did a lot of church work and Mm -hmm. I did youth ministry and all of that. Before that, as I was getting into youth group and coming back to church and, um, being a youth minister, I had extra time. I don't know how a college student has extra time, but I did. (laughs) I had some extra time and, um, we had this organization that worked with our church and they needed some teachers. I'm like, I'm not a teacher, but I can volunteer. They were like, yes, come. And so I started teaching just Friday mornings. I didn't have class. So I started as a Friday teacher teaching adults who were learning English and eventually would get their GED. So my first day, I come in with a backpack and all the adults are staring at me. And I think they thought I was going to sit with them at one of the desks, because it was like a regular classroom. There's desks, there's a board, and I put my backpack where the main like desk is at for the teachers, and I write my name on the board, and they just like their mouth drop. Because they thought and you were like a student? I was a student. <laughs> like I'm one of the parents, or I'm learning um, English, yeah. and then I say, good morning, <laughs> and they just stared at me. But That's truly where I found my passion for teaching. Like I fell in love with these adults. They taught me Spanish like way, way better than what I know. Um, And I taught them English. And I think I learned more Spanish than I taught them English. But that's sort of where it started. I became a Friday teacher and then it gradually grew. Um, And then undergrad had me do like all sorts of different programs. I just got involved went to tutored um, at different high schools, Aikens High School, Crockett High School, all the Austin high schools I could get into, I did. I did high schoolers and I um, tutored them for STAR um, and math. Um, and I loved it. And I love working with with um, high schoolers. And so that's sort of where I started. And then when I came to the district, I had this really cool opportunity of um, getting involved with the intervention team. And I learned from Linda, um, and it, and it was awesome. And it opened my eyes before I even knew what I needed to know about intervention, about helping students in need. Um, and I grew this love of just, there's kids who are learning a second language and they need so much support, but also learning how to work with them. And I'm still learning that part, but I fell in love with, with working with this population um, and learning these, learning so much from them and how to become a better teacher for them. So that's sort of how it started. And then I came to the second grade team and I met you and we weren't partners then. Um, and now I'm on the third grade team. I did not know that about you working with older students in the high school, tutoring high school kids, math star. Yeah. yeah. You knew that, like you knew how to do that kind of math. Yeah, no, I did it. So they gave me a manual. Um, mm-hmm. So I remember some of it and a lot of it was like, ah, that's what they were trying to teach me in high school. So it was a lot of learning myself, but no, they gave me a manual and books and things and resources 
So I wasn't going in blindly. I also worked with the teachers, their teachers side by side. And mm-hmm. so I'd step in for lessons and I got to see them teach. And so I modeled what the teachers were doing with the students. And I just brought it down to the level where I could tell they were getting more comfortable. Um, okay. Side story. I remember having these group of five high schoolers. They were 10th or 11th graders. I don't remember. Um, but I was like 22 and my hair was really long and curly. And back in the day, it was really cool to have it like, you know, with the hairspray and the mood. <laughs> I think I still like crunchy, like, like crunchy, crunchy, maybe the nineties vibe. I don't know, but teenagers don't really talk to you. And when I try to talk to them about their life, they'd open up a little. And so at the very end, I taught this, I thought it was an amazing lesson. I'm like going through, you know, and they're practicing. And I said, okay, any questions? And then one of the girl raises her hand. It's only group of five. I'm like, yeah. She's like, how do you do your hair like that? (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. Not about math. Okay, cool. But (laughs) so then I knew I had to, you know, keep my hair that way. So she thought I was interesting, but Um, But yeah, it was fun. It was fun. That's what I did before I got into the classroom. And so, so are you certified up to high school? I'm not, no, only through sixth grade. I do want to do, I mean, eventually I want to try middle school, but we'll see, you know, wherever this road takes me. So, um, you started out as like a reading interventionist, what for Uh a semester or for the whole year? I can't remember. I got hired in December. And okay. so um, it was just a semester and I wanted to continue. And they were like, no, we have a position for you. We want you in the classroom. Yeah. Um, and then you came to the second grade team and I came down from third grade to second grade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You are partners with, so for anybody who's been listening to the podcast since the beginning of time, um, you were first partners with Holly, who was my second guest on the podcast. Yeah. Holly. Have you talked to her recently? I haven't. No, I need to. This is the time to do it since I'm on break. You should text her because you should text her. I'm going to text her right now. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And she messaged me yesterday. I didn't even realize this. This is like the, so we're recording this. What's today? December 27th. Um, I recorded my first podcast episode. So she was the second guest, but the first person I recorded with on January 1st, 2018. So she texted me the other day and she was like, happy one year podcast anniversary. I didn't even think about that. But you were with Holly for what, three years? And then as as like a partnership, Mm -hmm. right? And then um, the fourth year, you and I became partners. Yeah. And then I left Yeah, you. Holly. Sorry. Yeah, it was okay. So I'm not going to lie. I think I've told you this, but when we became partners, I'm like, how is this going to work? I've been with Holly for three years. I've learned from Holly. Holly loves glitter and crafting and doing all this <laughs> stuff. And then we became partners and I'm like, well, does she like crafting? Does she like glitter? <laughs> does she like all this stuff? And you were like, no, it's okay. We're going to be fine. <laughs> Um, no, no but I was excited to be your partner. I was nervous, but excited. Holly was awesome. I miss Holly a lot. Yeah. She's got the, the good side of teaching out. And yeah, well, she found the ways she found ways to have fun with the kids. Yeah, she did. Yeah. And I think you and I made a good team because we were both very like driven and 
-hmm. just like constantly trying to put our kids first. But, um, so one thing you've said to me or not to me, but when you were filling out this stuff I sent you beforehand, um, you talked about encouragement for a new teacher and always having to be a lifelong learner. And, um, hold on, let me get back to my, no, 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 no. That's not what I meant to say. Back up. (laughs) I do mean to talk about that, but in a minute. Okay. Okay. Um, hold on. Let me go look at your thing. Okay. One of the things that you said in the form that I filled out when I asked what's the most difficult part of teaching, you talked about Mm -hmm. not knowing the impact that you're making on kids. Right. Just really, really true. How do you, how do you, uh, I don't know if balance is the right word, but how do you deal with that? Like you work with these kids all day long, every day. You've been with this group of kids for a year and a half now. Um, I looped up with them. Yeah. And and some kids you're never going to see the impact that you make. How do you continue on despite that? Um, I think we don't know. And that's part of teaching is the not knowing and we just continue. But I think what motivates me or I don't know, I was talking to you before we started recording, but my team, man, your team makes a big difference. And my team, like, they're all different, different years, different paths have brought them to this third grade, different. I mean, they, some came from kinder, some were already on third, some, this is their first year in the classroom, just different backgrounds. Um, but getting this motivation that on some of my hardest days, hearing their voice, just speak a little bit louder and truth into my life in those moments. Um, I think that's part of it. Teaching. We don't know. We just continue to teach and love these kids and, um, and build the relationships um, that you and Holly were so good at um, and try to learn from everyone, people you may not even expect to learn from, um, taking some of their advice and, and seeing how they teach and how they love and what they're passionate about. And you start kind of weaving that into your life, into your teaching, into your career and um, and you use it, but I don't know. With these kids, I've been so fortunate, and I don't know if it was you or Holly. One of y'all told me you're gonna love looking up, um, and I didn't think I would. But man, usually we start crawling right or baby steps with them. We hit that ground running, and they knew my expectation, and I knew some of these kids. And Kelly, you would be so proud of some of them. Or most of them, <laughs> um, all of them. Um, but no, seeing where they were at and where they're at now, I don't know what a third grader is supposed to be like. I know what a second grader at the end of the year, and that's what I feel like I got. Um, but seeing their growth and just this one group, I know that there's waves that have continued with kids that I've seen go through fifth grade and now are in middle school. Um, so yeah, you don't know. You just continue to do it. Um, and you'll see these little golden nuggets throughout, you know. Um, I know that one form of measurement is test, and that's what a lot of uh, people in the field talk about constantly. Our admin does, our school does, and it's something that we continuously look at. 
Um, but then you see all the moments in between. And when I hear a certain student use a few sentences in English that I didn't expect, um, and I'm like blown away or to see some of our kids reading in English and I'm blown away. So you take what you can and, but I don't ever know. I don't know. I just keep going. You were talking about your team and we were talking about that before we started recording about how you are on a really good team this year with really good um, teammates who are passionate about what they're doing. And not everybody always has that in their, on their team. Not everybody has that um, experience. And so to that, I say, even if your team is not that solid group of people that you can go to for support, find those people at your school. Or if you, um, like I'm talking with a music teacher here in just a few minutes. Yeah. Finding music teachers across the district, people that you can um, connect with and that you can, I mean, I feel like you and I were on the same team, but we also kind of had like our little happy hour group of five or six of us that Uh would go together and we could be really open. I mean, I think there were plenty of times we went to happy hour crying and not even about teaching yeah. personal yeah. stuff, you know, and we yeah. were crying. And <laughs> yes, our struggles. Yeah. And um, I think that's really important to find that group of people that you can be open and honest mm-hmm. with. And it can, like you said, call truth out to you when you can't see it or yeah. when you don't feel that um, motivation or encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of the things you said to me, was about encouraging new teachers and about being lifelong learners. And Mm -hmm. I think this is really important because I think it's really easy. And I know this from my own experience to get kind of righteous in yourself as a teacher, like, Oh, Oh, I know how to do this. I've I've taught second grade for four years. I don't need to learn anything new. And that's a (laughs) really dangerous place to be in. Um, So for you, I know that you're, a lifelong learner. You are in grad school right now yeah. while teaching full time. Uh. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about that process and what that's been like. Um, like, do you so recommend grad- it? <clears throat> yeah, don't do it. No, yes, <laughs> I do recommend it. Um, so it's a balance. I mean, I went back to school because I knew I wanted to continue learning and growing. Um, And when you ask, you know, what kind of advice would I give a new teacher? It's that knowing that um, we're always not just teaching, but learning. And if we learn that early on, you're set. Um, Knowing that you um, need to be coached, like we have to be coached and, um, Teaching is such a personal mm-hmm. like thing. And we almost get offended when someone tells us like, hey, by the way, I didn't see this or um, show me this. It's almost like, oh, how dare them tell me, <laughs> you know, I'm missing something from my teaching. I do everything. <laughs> um, but learning that early on, I think will set you for the rest. Um, yeah, I'm in grad school and I'm learning that way. And that has brought so much more passion into, into what I'm doing and I'm learning it through a different lens, but, um, but knowing that in our, in our field, in our career, that, uh, there's all these coachable moments. And if you are open to it, 
uh, you're open to growing and learning so much because we get to be in, in that other seat of teaching always, Monday through Friday, um, but allowing people to teach us and to learn from it, um, I think is extremely valuable. So new teachers, be open to it. Um, veteran teachers, be open, be open to, to it. it. <laughs> Please be open to it because I, I want to learn from those veteran teachers, but I also want them to hear me. I have ideas too. It's not just because I'm in school. It's because I have all these different backgrounds, but because I met you, I met Holly, I met so many people that have inspired me and I've learned from you, Kagan, like constantly. Um, and if you haven't heard her Kagan podcast, go back, but um, great strategies. And I've learned from so many people. And so listen to, to what these new teachers have to say. Um, I love seeing the teacher fellows and seeing how excited they get about about every little thing. Three on campus, right? Yeah, we do. Um, And so also admin does like an awesome job of putting them in the front line and having them lead things. And it's great to see like new teachers to come and having them lead a lot of things. So um, just be open to it. But but yeah, being in grad school um, is a balance just like everything in life is. and I, you know, I don't have kids. I have a dog, Oxford. So I just became a fur mom. But um, when did I, you get him over the summer? We got him. Like you got him after I left school. Yeah, it was like in May. Okay. Yeah, it was right after school. Um, and so we've had him for a couple months. He's seven months now. He's snoring. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's lounging right now. But yeah, so that was fun. I had him um, during the summer. We went on runs and and stuff like that. So I love being a fur mom. And yeah. when people would ask if I had any dogs, I I would look at them like my brother has a dog. Like I didn't understand this other level of like loving these these little animals. But I love them a lot. Um, but yeah, grad school is. Um, so a lot of my classmates have kids. They're married. They have a lot going on. And so I've asked them like, how do you yes, it's a balance. And yes, you need to prepare well. And that's what gets me through. I try to keep a certain day for school. And that's my day. Um, And I turn in all my assignments. And so trying to be as organized as I can. um, But something that I've heard them say over and over again, is a, a really good support system. And knowing that this is their time, and what they're building their future for. And so um, anyone can do it. Um, I think just look up different programs and see what works for you. For me, it was going once a week. And so I only go on Tuesdays. Um, and the kids know I go to school. So I tell them, I understand. Like, I'm turning in assignments and homework and stuff. And, you know, some of the kids that weren't with me last year, they look at me like, you go to school? I'm like, I go to school. Yes, I go to school like you do. And I have professors, and they teach me. Um, but yeah, you can do it. It's worth it. I know this is going to open doors. It already has started to, um, which I'm excited about. And a lot of my classmates are just, I mean, when I started this, I didn't think it would lead to where it's leading. And so we'll see where this is um, going and where it's headed. But I'm excited for the next chapter. And so graduation's coming up April. Thanks. Hey, podcast listener. Are we friends on social media yet? Let's face it. 
we know that we all spend way too much time on social media platforms, but if we are going to be spending all that time on there, then I want to connect with you. Here are the main ways that you can find me. My favorite place is Instagram. And while I'm not the best at Instagram stories, I do try to pop in there from time to time to share bits and pieces of life here in Germany behind the scenes of the Simply Organized Teacher and just random mutterings that I feel like sharing. I also have a Facebook group called, you guessed it, the Simply Organized Teacher Community. This is a spot for me to really connect with you and talk with you. I try to post in there weekly with questions, thoughts, other blogs and websites that I think might be valuable. I would also love for it to grow in engagement and have teachers in there supporting other teachers. There are a ton of education-related Facebook groups out there. I know that because I'm in some of them. But what I like about the Simply Organized Teacher community is that because it is a smaller group, we can actually connect with each other. You can ask a question or share a struggle or seek advice on something that you need help with without getting lost in the massive amount of other questions and comments and whatnot that get put on groups. Lastly, you can find me over on YouTube. I have some videos up there to help show you exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about things like organizing student papers or organizing your lesson plan materials. My favorite videos on there are the ones where I talk about how to organize your classroom cabinets, especially the one where my head is cut off for a portion of the video, but I left it in because that's real life. You can come find me on YouTube at a really long link that I can't ever remember. So the short link is bit.ly slash tsat YouTube. And that's Y-O-U tube, like the normal YouTube. Okay, so come find me. I want to be your friend on social media. This is a side note, like totally unrelated to anything we're talking about. Okay. Have you been using your Erin Condren teacher planner that you bought last year? Yes. Do you like it? I love it. Good. I love it. I've used a lot of the stickers, so I set it up right at the beginning, probably at one of the trainings. <laughs> and um, I started setting it up and putting all the stickers in and um, organizing myself. But yeah, I love it. There's a lot in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I and I got some emails about discounts coming up. I'm like, yes, score. I'm gonna buy some more. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I never used everything in my Erin Condor planner. Like I never used all of the sections because there is a lot, but yeah, I'm glad you like it. Um, okay. So I want to talk about, uh, I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but I don't know if people remember. So you and I taught in a dual language program. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about what dual language is and how it's different from a bilingual program. And then we'll talk about like strategies and all that kind of stuff. So do you want to tell what a dual language program is? (laughs) Yeah. So, well, dual language teaching is this form of bilingual education um, in which students are taught like literacy and content in two languages, two languages. That's it. But bilingual, so I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but bilingual education is sort of this umbrella term for many types of programs in which like both languages are used um, for instruction, but the dual language education is more of this effective approach where you're developing language proficiency and literacy in English as a partner language. There's a little bit of a difference, but when I started doing, so bilingual education, I heard it like my entire life. And even when I was doing undergrad and then grad work and knowing what the difference was between them, There's so many, I mean, there's a plethora of programs that come up when you 
search anything about bilingual education. Um, and then dual language sort of came out. I mean, when I started really hearing about it was when I was graduating. I had seen a few programs out in the States um, that were being used and how they were being used. And all I had heard about was one way. So when I came to Hayes and I heard that they had a two-way I had never seen that, like not in action. I didn't know what was going on. It also depends the program that you use with dual language. So I think that makes a difference as well. When you say one way, you're talking about like um, one teacher with the same class all day long, basically like a self-contained dual language classroom, whereas two-way is what we taught in where the kids had two teachers, an English teacher and a Spanish teacher um, Mm -hmm. teaching. So you... I don't know what it is in third grade because it, it, we followed the Gomez and Gomez program in our district mm-hmm. and it, there's like a hierarchy isn't the right word, but like a step system of like when you implement Spanish and when you take Spanish away, whatever. But in second grade, I taught language arts and math and English and you did language arts, science and social studies in Spanish. Right. So the kids were learning. Um, Essentially, it's like a. 50-50. Yeah, yeah. And where I mean, that's sort of, yeah. The one-way program is the same thing, but I could have never been a dual-language one-way teacher because I don't speak Spanish fluently um, because they're with the same teacher all day, getting yeah. the same instruction in English and Spanish just with one teacher, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about... Um, some strategies that do you think that the strategies a bilingual teacher uses are going to be different than ESL teaching strategies or do you think they're pretty similar? I think they're pretty similar. Okay. So then let's just like group them all together. Um, What are some strategies that you would recommend to a teacher listening right now who's working with ESL kids or bilingual kids, whatever, um, to help keep them engaged, help, um, with that language barrier. We had kids, um, um, I think I know which kid you're talking about reading that you said, reading, speaking in English. Yeah. Is it it the one I'm thinking of? Okay. Uh So this little kid came, um, from Mexico Mm -hmm. in what, like eight weeks into the school year. Yeah. Um, he couldn't really even spell his name in Spanish yeah. and he's yeah. sitting in my classroom math English yeah <laughs> for a little bit I still need to write him um him and there's one other boy that I had the year before um that I want to write them postcards and mail them to you to like yes ex- like tell them how proud I am of them learning another language because now that I'm having to learn a language and live in a culture that, you know, doesn't speak my language. Uh, it's challenging. Yeah. Anyways, I got us way off topic. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. But strategies for keeping them engaged, helping to balance that uh, language barrier. What are some strategies mm. that you would share with teachers? Yeah. Okay. First of all, uh, we are not prepared to work with ESL, EOL, whatever you want to call students that are learning another language. Um, I have a whole issue with the with the name to begin with, but that's that's a different story. Uh, Wait, with ELL or ESL or both? ESL. 
because most students, I mean, often when we call this, see, I'm going to get off topic now, but I'll say it really quick. Often when we talk about English as a second language, most of these students or a lot of the students that are coming in and every classroom has an ESL or an L student in there, they're, I mean, we say that they're learning a second language, which is technically English, right? Um, But a lot of students are coming in um, knowing two or three languages, and this isn't their second language. Um, So I have a whole issue with that, but we're not, we're not prepared to work with them. And so early on, I don't think undergrad prepared me for knowing these strategies. Yes, they would talk about it, but I don't think we're ever fully prepared. Um, So this is like all these little strategies that I'm going to tell you about um, are things that I've picked up from y'all and from teaching and different, um, different trainings, but we don't ever get enough training before we get into a classroom and we have a student who doesn't speak English and we're like, ah, what do we do? (laughs) Um, So the biggest thing is vocabulary. I think that having it rich and everywhere. um, And I would love to say in both languages, Kelly, because, you know, I'm in dual language. And so I have students that speak Spanish, but for those teachers that are teaching ESL, just have have it printed in English, have, make it visual too. Um, and teach, like, instead of teaching in the air and just saying it, you have to write it down. I mean, write the steps down, write as much as you can and and make it visual for, for our students, because it's going to benefit all students, not just ESL and not just ELF students. Um, so vocabulary is the biggest one in having that academic language, because the more we get them to use the language and to see it, as soon as they start seeing it and we have them use it orally, just in a sentence, um, we start having them then write it, it starts becoming part of them. We just have to continue to use it. So making it visual as much as you can. Um, Building a lot of group work as much as you can. Um, you can go back and listen to Kagan, but Kagan's, those are great strategies to also use. Um, so yeah, doing a lot of group work. Also honoring the silent period. Um, mm-hmm. We get a lot of students that come in and um, I know that often when I wouldn't hear students come in, I have a few new to country this year, like a good amount. We got about four students new to country wow. and they're all in, um, in my partner teacher's group, one of the groups, since we have, it's a three-way for us. But um, so, yeah, having students just knowing that there's a silent period and honoring that, and they're not being quiet because they don't want to participate, but, but they're being quiet because some students, until they feel really comfortable using that second language, they won't participate. Just knowing that there's a silent period and honoring that, I think will make your life so much easier. Just give them time. Can um, I interrupt you for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you mentioned Kagan, and then you're talking about the silent period. So if somebody's familiar with Kagan or not familiar with Kagan, it's it's cooperative learning where kids, mm-hmm. um, like I'm sure you've heard of these strategies, rally table, rally coach, rally robin, mm-hmm. um, t- uh, time pair share. It's basically where you're, setting up like partner A is going to talk for 30 seconds, partner B is going to talk for 30 seconds. Um, so that way both sides are communicating. Right. So I remember when I started, um, teaching and learning Kagan, and then I'd have kids that, um, 
whether it was because of a second language or learning another language mm-hmm. thing, silent paired, or because the kid had, um, uh, I don't want to say behavioral issues, but like, um, like a kid on the autism spectrum or something, you know, somebody who's not vocal, who takes them a long time to, um, open up and, and be comfortable talking. I remember asking Dr. Kagan one time, what do I do about those kids? And one of the most valuable things he told me was that kid can just sit and listen because for that kid listening to the English speaker, you know, talking about, um, the main character in the story, just listening, their brain is like working so hard. They don't have to talk. And I think when I learned Kagan, I was under this impression that it was like, you talk, I talk, both have Mm -hmm. to talk. Yeah. But sometimes that's not, that's not possible. And it's okay for you to talk and me just to listen. Or another thing I did when, um, like when the kid from last year, our student, um, when he came and I would try to do Kagan stuff with him, a lot of things I would do would be like a uh, back and forth rally, rally, Robin. That's what it's called. Me and you back and forth <laughs> talking, like naming colors, whatever. Like that's obviously below second grade, but um, his partner, I would say, okay, say a color. And then that student would just repeat the color, say the color his yeah. friend already said, like, it's okay for them mm-hmm. to repeat what their partner already said. Um, They don't have to be coming up with their own ideas Mm -hmm. or speaking them. Uh, That's okay. And that was really moving and powerful for me to learn. I think also it's okay not to partner them up with a bilingual partner. So having that English partner, it's okay to partner them up with someone who is going to speak Spanish to Mm -hmm. them or their Mm -hmm. native language until they get comfortable to start talking and um, get into that full setting because we recently got a student and he wasn't used to definitely not all these switches that we have all day long, but um, just this full setting and knowing the dynamic of how this is going to work. And so often he would, um, he he wouldn't know that his partner would to partner work and mm-hmm. to do work with. It was like, Oh, I need to come and ask the teacher. I'm like, no, you have a partner. You can ask them. And so teaching all those little moments in between, but yeah. Um, so also scaffolding um, with their native language, like that's okay. Do it as much as you can allow it. Um, also uh, looking out for unique vocabulary their cultural vocabulary. So I think this one goes two ways, but one, um, I think it was my second year. I don't know. A lot of words that are used, especially in Central America, I realize that students who are from Mexico (laughs) don't know, and that's okay. So some words that I would use that I thought were academically correct in Spanish, and students would say, no, that means this or this. And so realizing the unique vocabulary, even within Spanish, you know, just like different languages, but also um, in English, teaching those words that um, that they wouldn't know that are unique, um, like, uh, I can't even think of one right now, but just knowing that there's unique vocabulary, especially in English and teaching that to them. Um, and then I think a big one is sentence frames. Um, yes. We have to give students Uh, sentence frames to practice, Um, not just with academic language, but knowing that they have this resource that they can use um, 
when they write and when they speak. So as giving as many as you can, I try to put a few, um, Maddie's so good about this, but I see them in her centers, um, and having those sentence frames wherever you can try to have one with everything I do. Um, because I realize that not just my L's are using it, but all Mm -hmm. my students are Mm -hmm. using it to get started with work or to use it when, when speaking. And to kind of tack on to Senate stems, um, making those Spanish speakers or whatever language they're speaking, Spanish is just what we're familiar with, um, Mm -hmm. speak in complete sentences when they talk to you. So instead of coming up to me and saying bathroom, then I just repeat back to them, can I go to the bathroom Mm -hmm. and even break it down and have them repeat one word you know, and, and having them practice those complete sentences, uh, because that will also really help them. It's amazing how quickly they can go from asking bathroom to just a few weeks later, being able to say, can I go bathroom? You know, like that's a huge growth for a kid, another language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so the last one is, and this is what I'm working on is pre-teaching whenever possible. Um, I've really started for just Thursday and Friday. I try my best to just talk about what's coming up next. And I'm really good about doing this in science. Um, I'm only teaching two subjects. Did I tell you that? Mm-hmm. So I'm only teaching science and social, social studies. Which that's one. so fun. Like it's those are fun so subjects. Fun. Because it's there's no so pressure. Yeah. I mean, there's pressure. but there's I mean, no I'm also doing... Yeah. <laughs> There's no star pressure. Yeah. That too. No, um, I'm also incorporating a lot of uh, language arts as well. Um, and math, you know, I'm just that wonderful. No, I try to help my partners out as much as um, so I incorporate whatever I can into my teaching. But kids get excited. They're like science when they're coming to my class. But pre-teaching, um, I'm trying to do that a lot more. And I've noticed that even GT students are like, oh, that's what's coming up. Um, so not just for my elves that are wanting to know. Um, so you and do letting them know class. For the whole class. I'm like, so this is what's coming up next. And, you know, I try to show them a picture or something that they can connect it with. Um, for the unit, I always do it. It's just now in me that I have to do it, that I tell them this is where it's going. This is where it's headed. But doing that weekly for, I've noticed, especially, I mean, certain students, they get excited about it Mm -hmm. and they start making those connections early on. And whenever they come back, they're like, I asked my mom about this or that. And, um, and we're using uh, Google classroom a lot. So our kids get on there and they check out videos articles, all sorts of stuff. Like we're constantly using it. Um, and our kids get on it on the weekends. I get all these, all these dings and reminders that mm-hmm. students are getting on there, but that's a quick way of just putting stuff that's coming up and I can just post and they make that quick connection. Oh, that video you sent us about such and such. I'm like, yeah, when we were learning about soil and this is what's coming up next. So, so it's just a quick thing, like maybe at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's like, this is what we're doing tomorrow or this is what we're doing next week. Just yeah. real quick. Yeah. Just pre-teach as, as much as you can. Yeah. Okay. And not just mentioning it. If you have time, definitely go into it. Uh, pre-teaching vocabulary for the unit. And if it's a long list, cut it. Like omit what you don't need and use what's really important, what the words that are frequently being used. I've used mm-hmm. so many strategies this year. 
Um, our instructional coaches have been awesome, just sharing so many strategies with us. I use Lead Forward, and so it's something that our district uses. Let me let the dog out, Kelly. Okay. Um, he keeps staring at me, and he's like, let me out. Okay, That's how our dogs are now because, you know, they can't go out back because we don't have a backyard anymore. And they just like sit at the door and scratch and it's so freaking annoying. I'm like, I don't want to walk down four flights of stairs to take you to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. I understand when I lived in apartments (laughs) going down and up, but yeah, pre-teaching as much as you can and vocabulary. I mean, we do so many strategies and and fun games out of it so kids can make their own connection. And um, a lot of anchor charts that they're making vocabulary charts and I'm laying them just right on the walls um, with excellent workers, but you know, um, that like I'll get in trouble for like, like on, no, 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 on the doors, like the cabinets and all oh. that I have too. And so I'll let them do um, to write on there. Um, and so yeah, doing a lot of strategies as much as you can to get kids exposed to um, to what's coming up and, and making those connections. So, mm-hmm. Okay, those are really good strategies. Thank you for sharing those. I hope that um, people listening, even if just one of them, they can be like, oh, that, and I think that's the, and that goes back to the importance of being a lifelong learner as a teacher is like, you go to these conferences or you listen to a podcast episode and you hear all these ideas. Um, yeah. But it's like just taking one thing and just implementing yeah. that. You go to a, a PLC meeting and the instructional coaches are giving you all these, yeah. you know, I think that can be so overwhelming as a teacher, especially yeah. a new teacher. Like, oh my gosh, I have to implement all of this. But yeah. just pick one thing that, yeah. It's the easiest thing, maybe sentence stems is the easiest thing for you to remember and yeah. take it back and try it. Yeah. And I will say you were talking about visuals, um, being in Germany and <laughs> not knowing the language, the visuals are so freaking helpful. I don't know. Next time I'm back in the States, I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to go to the um, meat aisle and I'm going to look or maybe you can, and you can tell me like, if you, Chicken, right? You buy like a package mm-hmm. of chicken. I, does it have a picture of a chicken on it? Because here yeah. in Germany, all of the meat says like the German name for chicken, but then it has a picture. And I'm like, thank you. Now I know that that's beef or that's, I mean, obviously I can tell the difference between beef and chicken, but um, <laughs> like between chicken and turkey, sometimes You're it's like, I hard. need a visual. I but need a visual. The visuals are so helpful. They really they are. are. They mm-hmm. really are, even for a 28-year-old girl yeah. trying to learn another yeah. language. Yeah, we can assume what they know and what they don't know. Um, and <laughs> I was just thinking, I think I reread something that was on there, but you had asked what was one of the funniest moments of teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wrote on there, it was funny, but it was also teachable. Um, that was my first year in the classroom in second grade. And, um, and I, are you reading it? Is that what you're saying? Because I didn't see it earlier. I'm going to look at it. I saw you lean in. (laughs) Um, and I said, okay, put, put your pencils up. And so I see a few students and they put their pencil up in the air and I'm just like, oh, okay. No, I meant in the desk. (laughs) So teaching that, I mean, it was funny. I, I wanted to giggle, 
but I knew that the rest of the class was staring at them like, what are they doing? Why do they have their pins? <laughs> well, duh, like I didn't realize, you know, everything we have to teach and, um, and meaning and being literal and, and showing them like, this is what I meant, you know, yeah. well, that's like, it was funny, but also teachable. That's what <laughs> so you- don't assume, don't assume what they know, what they don't know. Yeah, that's what you were talking about earlier with the vocabulary and like understanding that vocabulary is different based on region or um, dialect or whatever. You know, it's like that, like put your pencils up. Well, they did exactly what you asked them to do. Exactly what, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, do you have any other parting words or tips or advice, encouragement, motivation, anything? Um, get fired up about what you're doing. Um, really like let that little, right now I must be, I mean, it's a wonderful time of the year, right. And we're on break, but, um, really getting fired up about what we're doing and getting excited because if we're excited, our kids are going to be excited. And I realize the difference that I'm making, Um, when I am my days that I'm on, man, the kids are fired up. Mm -hmm. It could be about the smallest thing and they're loving it and they're loving it so much. But, um, the attitude that we bring to the classroom, it feeds on the kids. So get fired up about what you're doing. Love what you do. It's so hard during those hard moments, but it's so, so good during those good moments. And so, like you said, um, surround yourself around people that are going to motivate you. And I'm so lucky right now. I mean, I think the word is like blessed to have the team that I do because they motivate me so much. And so if you don't have a team like I do, which is amazing, um, every single one of those ladies are great. Then surround yourself with that little tribe of women or men that are, they're wanting to just be motivated about what they do and they encourage you and they push you to be better. So I have that right now and I feel extremely blessed and lucky. So get fired up. If you're not, find it before you get back into your classroom, before this break is over, like just get re-energized and get fired up. Um, our kids deserve it. So, mm-hmm. but you, but we do too. We do. We, we deserve being happy and excited about what we do. We do. We deserve to be, um, to enjoy our work. And if we don't, if you're not feeling fired up, if you're not feeling, um, like you're enjoying your work anymore, then change it. Like that's the easiest, the best thing about teaching is that like, if your year sucks this year, you have what, like four or five more months and then you can change, like find a new school, find a new district, find a new team, find a new, I don't, whatever, you know, you can change it. And when you're an educator, you're an educator for life no matter what you end up doing, we learn and teach and we continue doing that no matter what field we end up doing and what part of education or how you use it and, um, and you continue doing it. So. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for yeah, Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. I was so nervous and so excited. So but it was fine. See, it was fine. It was yeah. just talking to you about yeah. what we normally talk about. <laughs> about, what we normally talk about. Yeah. But yeah. thank you for all that you're doing. And thank you for all that you're doing for our kids. I say they're ours because they still are. They, are. they, they, they were are. mine. Um, but I was thinking we should do some kind of um, Skype thing or something with them. Yeah. Um, like I was just thinking we could talk about, um, have y'all done weather and all that kind of stuff yet? 
No, third grade doesn't do weather. Oh. We incorporate it into one of the things, but, uh, but I, you know, I can pull teaks anywhere. So yeah. you tell me what you want to talk about. Well, and- I was just thinking about like, okay, it is 4.30 right now here in Germany. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if you can tell, but like, it's getting dark. And, yeah. but in Texas, like that's, it never gets dark at 4.30 until like, you know, only for like a few weeks or whatever, but there's yeah. days where it's like three o'clock and the sun starts going down. And I was thinking that would be kind oh, of a fun yeah. thing to talk about the kid with the kids, like have yeah. them, I, I can show them that this is what it's like here. And what I don't and know. They could see it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the video you sent and the videos you've sent, the kids get really excited and they start screaming and they're like, ah, like they can, you know, even though it's a video, they think they're talking <laughs> like then and there. Like, no, <laughs> well, she recorded it. I'm going to write down on my list that let's touch face in the next couple of weeks and figure out yeah. something we can do where we can yeah. get together and I can Skype in or whatever. So, okay. Okay. Good. Well, thank you so much. Has anyone else had a similar experience like Catherine was mentioning where you asked your kids to do something and they took it literally like putting your pencil up in the air instead of away in the desk? In case you missed it, I'm going to run through the strategies that Catherine shared for working with ELL students again really quick. Now remember what I said, you do not have to do all of these. In fact, I would recommend not to. Listen to this list and see which one maybe comes easiest to you or most practical for you to implement right now. And then just do that one and do it for a month. Get really good at it. Make it a habit that you don't even have to think about anymore. Then come back to this list and pick another one and try it again. Here's the strategies that Catherine and I talked about. So the first one was to use Kagan strategies and you can refer to episode five and a half or it's also called the bonus episode with Dr. Kagan if you aren't familiar with Kagan cooperative learning. Number two, use visuals. So every time you write directions, draw a picture right next to it. A stick figure picture, nothing fancy at all. Number three, label your room and include clip art pictures. So label it in English and whatever the language is that they're learning. Right now, I've got some labels in our house that are in English and Deutsch. German, sorry, I didn't mean to say Deutsch. Anyways, (laughs) number four, give students sentence stems and require them to talk in complete sentences. And just in case you are unsure, a sentence stem is just a few words to get a kid started. For example, let's say you're teaching fractions and the student is expected to identify the fraction and then explain how they know that it's three-fourths or whatever it is. Give them a sentence stem by writing it on the board. I know this fraction is blank, three-fourths, because blank. Sometimes with those new-to-country kids, I would let them either verbally tell me if they could or even draw a picture to explain it to me. I'd write it out and let them copy it. All of those options are okay. That's just simply modifying it so that they can be successful. Number five, scaffold your lessons so that you're providing support in various ways. You can teach the concept in English and then re-explain in their native language. You can use graphic organizers. You can use models or hand gestures. Have kids work with partners. All of those are ways that you're breaking down the concept so the student can be successful. And number six, lastly, she shared about pre-teaching a concept so that kids have time to make connections, to ask their parents, research at home. Basically, just get them thinking before you actually start teaching. I know that there's something in there that each teacher listening can use. Come find me on Instagram and find the post for this episode and comment on there which strategy you're already using or that you're going to try this week. And if you have a minute, would you mind doing me a favor by heading over to iTunes to rate and review the podcast? I really appreciate it. I'll see you back here next week with another mini-sode. Until then, enjoy your week. Be fired up about your kids, your job. You deserve it. Your kids deserve it. I'll talk to you soon.
Friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. Don't forget to head over to the simplyorganizedteacher.com for all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and you can sign up for my email list there. Also, be sure to find the Facebook group because I want to be your social media friend. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com.